life. A complete transformation of whatever this world has, there is a higher and a better place of walking with Christ and walking in the kingdom of God. It all begins with that favorite verse of Scripture of all of us, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but should have everlasting life. Oh, what a wonderful thing that God loves us so much. You know, of all the gods people worship in the world, and there are a multitude of them, there's only one God that loves sinners. That's our God. That's the Creator God who made it all, the only real true God. And, and you know what? Since He loves sinners, I qualify. <laughs> I praise God, you know. Whoa, I, uh, He loves me. And, and He reached down through Jesus Christ, and Christ came to change the world. And so when Jesus came, He came, and the first preaching out of His mouth is, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's a new kingdom to walk in, not the kingdom of this world. It's a spiritual kingdom, and you can walk in it, but you have to change. Repent means change. You have to change. You have to hear the gospel. You have to listen to the gospel, and you have to change. And then he proceeds to share the gospel. You'll hear it particularly in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew's chapter 3, excuse me, chapters 5, 6, and 7 where He really gives uh, the whole layout of the kingdom of God, the way it will work. And basically it has to do with loving people, caring about people, really not being self-centered, but going after the, the things that God is after. And God so loved the world. And so love God and love people. And on these two things hang everything else. And, and so Jesus came along and in His teachings He said, the thief, the enemy, your arch enemy, the devil. The thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. That's all he wants to do. That's why there's wars, rumors of wars, and all the bad things that go on in the world. It's because of what this enemy is seeking to do. The thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. I have come. Jesus has come. That you may have life and have it abundantly. I want to offer you something. I want to offer you the best life that you can possibly have. I want to offer you the ultimate of what life is about. Life the way God intended it in the beginning when He set Adam on earth and started up everything. And the relationship was so wonderful. I want to give you life. I want to give you the best life there is. Sounds like a good proposition to me. Who would not want the best life that there is? You can have this life. And then... To sort of demonstrate this whole thing, he spent about three and a half years going around the countryside teaching about the kingdom of God, about the best life that there is, how to walk in it, how to live in it. And he took 12 men with him and he poured himself into those 12 men, making them real disciples of the kingdom of God and of Jesus Christ. When he finished this three and one half years and finished sharing the gospel of the kingdom, teaching how to live and how to walk. He then sealed it all with his own death, burial, and resurrection. He shed his own blood to wash all the sin away. He, he came forth victorious over death, so showing that there is power in this kingdom. And it even overcomes the, the, 
the, the very ultimate uh, uh, of the world, which is death. And he's victorious over the whole thing. Then he chose these 12, these 12 disciples. He said to them, he said, now listen, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. You go now and you make disciples of this king and of this kingdom. You make disciples. It's disciples that is the key of this, of this whole thing and, and becoming disciples. So I want to talk to you this morning. I want to share with you. I want to get in your heart. And I want to talk to you about being a radical disciple of Jesus Christ. Radical disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, let me, let me define the word radical for you. Most people, when they hear the word radical, they think of extreme. You know, and I don't know if I want to be extreme. You might think you've got to be a weirdo or something. No, no, no. Let's get to the correctness of the word radical. The, the word radical, uh, primary meaning is pertaining to the root, the origin. When, when you hear of someone having radical surgery, you normally think of extreme surgery. But that's not what a doctor thinks. When a doctor talks about radical surgery, he's talking about let's get the root of this thing out of here. And so when a woman has a radical surgery like a mastectomy, we think, oh, that's extreme. But what the doctor is thinking, we got to get to the root of that cancer and we got to get it out of there. This is a radical surgery. Get the roots and get it out of there. And it is an extreme surgery at the same time. But radical means roots. So a radical disciple has his roots in Jesus Christ. He is, he is, he, his roots go deep down into Jesus. Who he is. He's the son of God. He is God come down to man. He is the savior of the world. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the coming King. He's the bread of life. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is who it's all about. Present day 21st century Christianity, we need to ask ourselves a couple of questions. Am I a genuine, radical disciple of Jesus Christ and His kingdom? And how would I compare to first century real disciples of Jesus? It's a good question. Do you agree? It's a question we need to answer. Now, I think part of the correct answer is pointed to when Jesus says the following in Luke chapter 6, let me, let me just read this to you. Jesus is talking to His disciples. And here's what He says. Now listen to me closely. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? The things which He says is the message of the whole kingdom of God. 
He goes on to say, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings, the message of the kingdom, and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose, the streams beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the streams beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great." Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? In, in what Jesus is saying here, He says, listen, in both cases, the house on the rock, the house on the sand, in both cases, do you understand storms came? In both cases, the rains came, the floods came, the, the winds came. One house stood, the other house fell. Now, our Lord never pulls any punches. Listen to me. There are difficulties in life. They're going to happen to us. Christian or non-Christian, it makes no difference. Troubles come in this life because this life has been stained with this sin problem. Troubles are here. You're going to have them. They're a part of the package because of where we were born. It's here. Now, if you hear my words, if you're rooted in Christ, When the storms come, you'll stand. You'll make it. But if you're just nominal about this stuff, if it's just a Sunday morning go-to-meeting thing for you, if it's not a lifestyle, when the storm comes, you'll fall. Because you're not built, rooted, grounded on the rock. So we need to become radical disciples. Now Jesus tells us what radical disciples are. There are six times in Scripture, three in the book of Luke, three in the book of John, where Jesus literally defines my disciple. And He tells us what they are. Now these statements are pretty radical in themselves. Listen to them. You you can find them later. But the first one says, And I'm going to paraphrase them for you so we can really understand them clearly. The first one is, Jesus says, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to have to put me before everybody else on earth, including yourself. Jesus has to be absolutely number one in your life. But why not? He's the Son of God. (laughs) He's the Savior of the world. He's the bread of life. He's everything that you need. He he is not, he said, if you don't do this, you can't be my disciple. And he's not saying that in a, well, I'm going to take my toys and go home if you don't do it my way. That's not what he's saying. He's simply making a statement of fact. If you don't put me absolutely first, you won't be my disciple. You will be someone else's disciple. You'll be a disciple of your mama. You'll be a disciple of your daddy. You'll be a disciple of your wife or your husband or uh, some person you read after. Or you'll be a disciple of yourself. But you won't be my disciple until you absolutely make the commitment to put me absolutely first in everything in your life. That's radical discipleship. That's Jesus as the very roots of your being. Does this make sense? The second 
clear teaching of a radical disciple, Jesus says, unless you bear your cross, take up your cross daily and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Now this is sort of an amplification of the first one. Because a cross was used for one thing only in Jesus' day, and that was to die on. And he said, except you deny yourself and take up your cross daily, you can't be my disciple. So to take up your cross means you affirm the death sentence upon yourself. To die to self. Let me tell you bluntly and plainly, the major problem with being a radical disciple of Jesus Christ is self. It's the biggest problem there is of becoming all you can become in Jesus Christ. Because our old nature is, I want to please this flesh. That's why mega churches are coming up all over the place. Please, I do not intend to sound negative, but there are many of these churches that are just having real pleasing kind of messages that just, oh man, I want, I go and I feel good. Jesus said, you got to die to yourself. You've got to die to self. You have to take up your cross and die to self. That's a radically, your roots are in Jesus Christ. And then the third thing, Jesus, He amplifies to the Father a little further when He says, unless you forsake everything, you can't be my disciple. I mean, He just keeps pushing on this thing. Do you see how He's stressing? You've got to be rooted in Christ and you've got to make a decision to be rooted in Christ. And Christ is going to be the everything for you, the centrality of your life in every way. It's about Jesus. When it's about Jesus more than anything else, then your roots are down in Christ. And your roots are in His words and what He says. And when the storms of life come, you're ready. You'll stand. You will not fall. You will handle it. If America goes broke, if some nation comes in and takes over America, I'm, I'm being extreme here, you will stand. You will make it. Because you are one of those people who will, another place Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things, the necessities of life, will be added to you. I will take care of you. You put your roots in Christ, I'll take care of you. Then the other things he says is, if you abide in my word, you're my disciple. If you love one another, you're my disciple. If you bear much fruit, you're my disciple. So when our roots are down like they should be, we will abide in his word, we will love one another, and we will bear much fruit. So the question is, how long does it take to become a disciple? I mean, is this, is this a long, hard process to really become a true, radical disciple of Jesus Christ? Well, listen to the Apostle Paul. He's on his first missionary journey. And in 1421 of Acts, it says, And when they had preached the gospel in that city, which is the city of Derby, 
and listen to this, and made many disciples, they returned then to some of the other cities. All right. When they had preached the gospel in Derby and made many disciples. Okay. If you closely follow the timeline of Paul's first missionary journey, how long was he in the city of, of Derby? You'll find he was there only at best a few weeks. He wasn't there very long at all. Maybe just a couple of weeks. Maybe, maybe, I don't, I don't, we're not, don't know how long it is for sure, but it's a short time. Maximum, you'd get three months. I mean, you, you really had a maximum of three months. He's probably there a couple of weeks in the city of Derby. Yet scripture says he made many disciples. Hmm. So what we learn from this is, this tells us that people can become disciples in a very short time. The question is, will they continue? Will they continue as disciples of Jesus? Listen to John 6, 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Luke 9, 62. Then Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So becoming a disciple on the front end is not the issue. Do they remain? And so why would some of his disciples walk with him no more? Why would people quit on Jesus? Why would they quit on the very best thing that there ever has been and ever will be? Why would, why would people go and follow him no more? Why do people quit on Jesus today when the times get rough? And the answer is found in the parable of the soils. In Matthew 13, you can read it later, but let me quickly tell it to you. He said, a sower went forth to sow, which is the Word of God. And some of the seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and picked it up right quick. Some fell on stony ground, which is real shallow soil, stones underneath, and it springs up right quick, and there's no depth of earth. And they had no root, the Scripture says. They had no root, so they fell away. And some fell among the thorns, and it choked them down, and that thorns was... Uh, cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches, and, and some fell on good ground. And good ground had good roots and went down deep inside. It brought forth 30, 60, 100 fold. So in the parable of the soils, it tells us that the reason people quit on Jesus are tribulations, persecutions, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches. They don't have any roots that are deep, deep, deep roots. And they fall away. But there is that good soil which will, which will allow God to plow it, will allow God to go in and work on it. They will hear what God is saying and they would say yes to Jesus. I want to be rooted in Christ. I'm going to Give up all. I, I, am going to, I am going to put you first above every other person, including myself, on the face of this earth. I am going to die to myself. You're going to have to help me, God, but I choose to die to self. Uh, I may get wealthy one of these days, but, but I'm never going to let wealth run me. I forsake all that stuff from running me. And I'm going to live for you, Jesus, no matter what. That's good soil. That's roots going down deep. That's the house 
built on a solid rock that will not fall. So, these people never got those kind of roots. They never took up their cross. They, they never forsook all. What happened to them? Now, I'm going to make a statement. You're going to say, what did you just say? Here's what happened. They entered the kingdom of God, but they never entered the kingdom of God. What? <laughs> they entered the kingdom of God, but they never entered the kingdom of God. Now, let me explain. There are several times in Scripture where Jesus talks about entering the kingdom of God. And when you consider the word enter, if you only think of go through an opening, I'm going to enter the room, and you go through the door, and if you think that's what entering is, then you miss the biblical concept of entering. Yes, there is an entry point into the kingdom of God. It's Jesus. He is the door. We must be born again to see the kingdom of God. However, entrance is not a conclusion. Entrance is a beginning. Entering the kingdom of God is a process. When you entered, or you entered when you were born again, you continue entering as you grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ and His kingdom you shall enter as you continue to grow and ultimately you will fully enter when you are with the Master forever in eternity. Imagine, if you would, a long tunnel. Tunnel. You enter on this end. You are entering as you progress. You're entering more as you go forward. You are still entering this tunnel as you, as you progress along. You're entering every step of the way. You're entering new and other parts of this thing. And so the kingdom of God, get that picture in your mind. It's also, imagine entering a mansion filled with treasures that God has for you and you are satisfied to step inside the door and stop. There are rooms of treasures in this place. Enter. Enter the kingdom. Enter it well. Walk into the fullness of the thing. The Greek word enter is a word that expresses motion. It's an idea of process. It's the idea of becoming a part of something. It's like when food enters the body, it becomes a part of the body. Now, with the above understanding, what I just told you about entering, process, moving, I want you to consider quickly these scriptures and then we'll finalize this message. Jesus says you enter, think process. Everybody say process. Okay. You enter by the Spirit. You enter by the Spirit. John 5, 3, 5 through 8. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said unto you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born 
of the Spirit. This journey, this process necessitates the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit of God. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, you will never fully enter the kingdom. You'll get stuck along the way. (laughs) God wants you to enter this whole house of mansion, this mansion with rooms that are filled with all of these treasures, and, and the Holy Spirit is your guide as you go in and through all of these places. So, unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Second one, and this is one that, wow, why did it say this? Remember where I said Paul was in Derby a short time, they made many disciples? The next verse says, he said to them, strengthening the souls of the disciples, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, this is the Apostle Paul saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Oh, wait a minute. Aren't you already in, Paul? Yes. Aren't these already disciples? He had made many disciples. Yes. So they're all, they've already stepped in the door. They're already in. But he's saying, we through many tribulations enter. Enter means what? What's the word? Process. Through many tribulations you enter the kingdom of God. Now, Paul knew the secret of understanding tribulations. Difficult times are part of it. We've already talked about that. Christian and non-Christian alike. So, to the Christian though, God has said, I will never leave you and never forsake you. And the New Testament has several statements about rejoicing in tribulations and trials. And we like to read over those passages. And I'd rather not have it that way. Listen to these. John 16, 33. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. So be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Romans 3, excuse me, 5, 3 and 4. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulations produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. James 1, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, and that patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking Nothing. How many of you want to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing? You know the route? He just told you. It's through trials and tribulations. They're coming anyway. God knows how to use them to your benefit. When you will learn to walk with them as a Christian, rooted in Christ, committed to Him... God will use that time in your life for you to enter further into the kingdom. You understand more about your relationship with God. You understand how awesome Jesus is. Instead of this prosperity gospel preaching where everything's got to go perfect in your life and people run around with, woe is me, God must have quit loving me. I'm having a difficult time in life. 
That's not the message of the New Testament. The message of the New Testament is die to yourself. The message of the New Testament is when they come and take all your goods away, love your enemies. Do good to them who falsely accuse you. Learn how to bear up under the difficulties of life, but the only way you can bear up under them correctly is rooted in Jesus Christ. It's about Him. He's the Son of God. He came to deliver you from this world system which will fail on every hand. God uniquely uses tribulations to produce genuine, radical disciples conform to the likeness of Christ. Listen to this scripture. And we know that all things, everybody say all things, work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His God's made a way for us to walk through life powerfully so. Here's another one. Not only do you enter by the Spirit, not only do you enter by through tribulations, but you enter by doing the will of God. Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Doing the will of the Father. It's not just, yes, Lord, and you step in. And then, oh, well, one of these days I'm going to get to heaven. It's, yes, Lord, I'm here to do the will of the Father. Now, what's the will of the Father? Well, Jesus tells us what the will of the Father is. He said, everything I say, I hear the Father say it. And it's the gospel of the kingdom. It's the will of the Father. This is the way we learn to live. Then there are a couple of conditions of entering. Jesus said, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Think process again. So what he's saying to us is unless our righteousness exceeds the outward righteousness of the religious hypocrites who love to stand up and have the show and everybody see how spiritual and religious they are. Unless your righteousness exceeds that, you will never enter this kingdom. It's not a look at me, I'm religious thing. It's a look at Christ. He's the Savior of the world. And unless you have the faith of a little child and learn how to just trust your father. You will never enter the kingdom. And the one final caution he gives about entering the kingdom is found in Matthew. And it says, Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say unto you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, 
It's not wrong. It's not even a bad thing to be rich. It's just dangerous. It's real dangerous. Rich people are very prone to depend entirely too much on their riches and their influence. They will never enter, think process, the kingdom of God until they learn to depend solely on God. Remember, Jesus went on to say, nothing is impossible with God. Some of the richest or some of the greatest servants of God in the Bible were very wealthy. Abraham, David, others. However, their wealth did not control them. They controlled their wealth. They laid it all at the feet of God. So what is a radical disciple? A radical disciple understands that entering the kingdom of God is a lifetime process. It's a journey. It began the day he received Christ as his Lord and Savior. It continues the rest of his life. A radical disciple has put his roots in Jesus. He trusts the Holy Spirit. He grows during times of tribulation. And he seeks with everything that is within him to do the will of God. It is vital to understand this if you intend to be a radical disciple of Jesus Christ and His kingdom. A radical disciple has a radical relationship with Jesus Christ. He is, his life is committed to Jesus and His kingdom. This is His primary focus of life. Listen to this Scripture. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. Radical disciple. Rooted in Jesus Christ. This is what God calls all of us to be. These are the folks who will never quit on Jesus. No matter how bad the circumstances might be. And history books are filled with the hundreds of thousands who have died for their faith. Because their roots were in Christ and they could not be uprooted. I call upon us to become radical disciples of Jesus Christ. I call upon us to have a radical encounter with the living Christ. I call upon us to make a conscious weighed out decision. Yes, Jesus. I will put you above every other person on the face of this earth. Yes, Jesus, I will take up my cross every day and die to self. Yes, Jesus, I will forsake all the things that this life has to offer. You and you alone are first in my life. Radical. Radical.
radical, root disciples of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads. Lord, there are moments in life when you cross the timeline of human time with the timeline of God. And at that cross in our life where you come and hit the lifeline we are on, our moments in time, they are those unique moments in time when decisions can be made that radically change our lives. And Lord, today is that time for some people here in this room They are feeling strongly the drawing of the Holy Spirit to radically give everything all to Jesus Christ and prepare themselves to walk with and for Him all the rest of the days of their lives. They will root deeply into Christ Jesus. They will not be shallow. They will not let the cares of this world, persecution or deceitfulness of riches draw them away. They will be good soil and they will bear much fruit, 30, 60, 100 fold. They will be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So Lord, today we call them to Jesus fully and completely. Not only have they already stepped in the door through Jesus Christ, but they're hearing the call to enter, 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 enter the kingdom of God with Jesus first in everything. Help us to fully choose to say yes to this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want us to stand together. And I want to call right now forward those who want to enter this kingdom the way that I've shared with you today. I want you to come because I want to pray for you. And I just want to lay hands on you and ask God to give you this and that you would encounter Christ in such a way that you will, you will have a unique encountering that will radically change your life and de- deepen this up deeper than it's ever been before in your life. And I, and, I, and, and I just want you to know that God is getting you ready for the best life there is. I come that you may have life, that you will have it abundantly. And if you want to make that step now, if you step forward to be seen by men, you just lost it. If you step forward and say, oh, they're going to think I'm spiritual, you missed it. You might as well stay in your seat because you just lost it when you came forward for that. But if you're hearing a drawing of the Holy Spirit for more and a calling to radical root discipleship, I'm asking you to come right now. I want to pray for you. I'm asking you to come right now. Who would come? Bless you. Bless you. This is the real stuff. This is the real. This doesn't mean the rest of you are not. But there are those who feel I need to do something about this today. You remember there was a time when a woman pressed in to touch Jesus. She said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, 
If I just get to Jesus, I know things will change. And she did. She slipped into the crowd and somehow she reached down. Maybe she had to crawl. I don't know. But she touched the hem of his garment. Power left him and healed her body. And then Jesus said, who touched me? Now, I want to tell you, I believe he knew exactly who touched him. But he wanted her to confess. He wanted her to stand out and say, I did. And by your coming forward, you're saying, I want to be touched. And I'm going to tell you something. You've come with this real in your heart. You are going to be touched by the Master. Radical roots in Jesus are going to transform your life and your everything. What an amazing God. What a wonderful Lord. Would you just bow your heads and pray until I get to you? And I'm just going to share a little short prayer over you. We're going to leave this up to the Holy Spirit. I can't give you this. We're just going to pray. And, and, and whether I say the words or not, when I come and pray for you, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for the Father's love to overwhelm you, to draw you into His love in such a powerful way that You'd, you'd just be so radically changed and you'd be so in love with Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just pray now. Let's just pray now. Father, come. Come and bless by the power of your Spirit. Root your life in Jesus. Say yes to Jesus today. I choose to root myself in Christ. I choose to take up my cross. I choose to die to self. I choose to forsake all. Jesus is first in my life. Say it for me, Jesus is first. I want you to go to God. I want you to get in the Word. I want you to get in the Word. I want you to let the Holy Spirit get in Thank you for worshiping with us today. You must go. You're free to go. But if you don't have to go, don't rush. Stay here as we to seek more of God's will in our life. You can come forward for prayer or just spend time with the Lord in your seat. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you.
May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And may you be rooted and grounded in the love of God to the point that your faith is unshakable. God bless you. Feeling a drawing of the fullness of Christ. And I declare today that she shall so encounter Christ that there will be no question but what she has done to self, taken up her cross, and forsaken all. And she knows it. She lives solely for Jesus. Say, I receive you, Jesus, and everything you have. fully into the kingdom of God and what you Today, takes up the cross. Today, yields totally to you. Today, dies to self. Whatever Ooh. comes my way, Roots yourself in Christ Jesus. I will follow you. Father, give from your There's a call to radical discipleship. Help me to be more
Father, I pray for Courtney. She feels a drawing for radical discipleship. And I just, I just know that she will say yes to you in every way. Lord, I release upon her the fullness of the gift of radical discipleship. The best that are rooted in Jesus.